If you can turn liquid milk into cheese, you can work anywhere in the world. It's magic. Mmm, it is quite intense, this one. I would happily eat myself to death or, or drink myself to death with everything in here. Hi there, and welcome to the Loving Welsh Food podcast with me, Sean Roberts. Today, I'm going to be meeting two of the owners of a farm shop in the Vale of Glamorgan, Tom and Catherine Humphrey, and I'll be catching up with John Savage from Tavy Cheese. Here on a beautifully sunny day outside Forage Farm Shop, one of the venues on one of our tours, I'm going in to meet Catherine Humphrey, who is one of the owners. Hello. Hi, Sean. It's so nice to see you. Welcome to Forage. <laughs> OK, let's have a walk into this beautiful... Uh, we've got the farm shop on the right-hand side. Yep. And the but- So we've got the farm shop and the butchery on the right, and to the left we've got our, our lovely restaurant overlooking the Thor Valley um, and also our, our, our takeaway, Forage Away, just, just a little bit further on. So we're going to do an interview, but it's so busy, which is good, but not for me. We're going to go and find somewhere quieter. But first of all, in this lovely shop, what is your favourite product? It's got to be, and we're right here next to it, it's got, it's got to be cold town coffee. I, I'm a total uh, convert. Um, didn't, didn't used to, to drink coffee uh, 10 years ago, and now I'm totally hooked uh, on the strong stuff. Is that because of your job? <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a mixture of job and job and children, probably. Need to be kept away, but no, really, it is really delicious, and actually the brand itself has a lovely story behind it. Uh, it's amazing coffee, I've had it. OK, so we're going to go and uh, find somewhere quiet, but before, I'm just curious, you work with your husband 24-7. <laughs> I could not do that with mine. How is it? How's it going? Um, We're learning to work together. Uh, Yeah, that's just, you know, it has its ups and downs, but generally it's okay. Very diplomatic. Okay, so tell me a little bit about the shop. So the shop sells uh, the majority of Welsh, locally sourced Welsh produce. There are some things which come from further afield if we can't source them locally. But as you can see, it's teeming with a mixture of fresh products, alcohol, uh, confectionery. It's got a butcher's counter at the end. It's just a riot of colour and delicious smells and tastes. I've got a couple of favourite products. It's quite hard to choose them because I, I would happily eat myself to death. Or, or drink myself to death, everything in here. But I'm going to go for, um, I love the Tipsy Kitchen ready meals. They're absolutely delicious. They're really wholesome, chunky ingredients, delicious, uh, savoury. I just love getting home from a day on the farm and popping one of those in the oven. So they're... When you say tipsy, have they got alcohol in them? Unfortunately not, um, but they, go, they pair very well with a nice claret at this time of year. So that's one of my uh, favourite products. And the other one, talking of alcohol, is gas gin over there on the other side of the shop I love this gin, I give it to all my friends now when I go and stay away for the weekends it's really drinkable, it's delicious it's very light, perfect for a, uh, for a gin and tonic and on a summer's evening So the farm um, has been in the family's ownership um, for a couple of hundred years and the family actually initially um, came down from Wolverhampton from the Midlands and were ironmongers they set up uh, ironworks um, in the valleys uh, and were instrumental in bringing that forward in fact one of the uh, first steam engines or the first steam engine was financed by a, rel- a direct relative of mine to haul Gosh. coal um, from the valleys down to uh, Cardiff docks um, so there's a, it's steeped in industrial history and, and the estate was first purchased as a, as a leisure estate really off the back of the money the family had made 
I understand that my ancestors were fox hunting mad, and it was and that's what happened in those days. If you if you done well in industry, you 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 often had a sporting estate. Obviously, that's changed um, and reinvented itself over the years. My grandfather um, bought in all of the tenant farms and turned it essentially what it, into what it is now, which is one giant farm, uh, mixed farm with arable livestock. Uh, it's a working farm first and foremost, which is obviously the core identity of, of forage, is that we supply as much produce as we can. So you say giant farm, how big is it? So it's uh, just over 2,000 acres, um, and about 1,000 acres of that is arable land, about 1,000 acres is grassland, uh, grazed by our uh, cattle and sheep, uh, Aberdeen Angus and New Zealand Romneys, um, and there's about 200 acres of habitat and woodland. So it's a true mixed farm. So you were in London. Tell me about what you're doing in London and what it's like now to be doing... So I was in London, I was a um, commercial property lawyer uh, for about a decade. Um, and so I moved back once Dad hung up his wellies in 2020. He's still very much involved. And I <laughs> seek his advice and my mum's all the time. They're, they're heavily involved in forage behind the scenes. Um, but yes, it, it, I've really enjoyed it. I mean, how lucky am I to have an opportunity to move back to take on a, 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 on a farm and, and live in a beautiful place? And not everyone has that. So tell me about your relationship with Tom. As in, you're, you're not one of the Humphrey family, yeah? So so I'm married in to the family. Um, I um, I grew up in um, in London and then Winchester, and I met Tom at university um, in Edinburgh. And um, yeah, so we've been together for a fairly long time um, since t- 2006. So you were in London, and then you decided to And we were in London. Back. Tom has always had it in the back of his mind that he would um, eventually move back here. And I, I, I don't know, I can't remember exactly which year it was, but um, uh, yeah, Joe and Johnny sort of said, you know, if you're, if you're not here by the time, you know, we're sort of 67 plus, we, we'd be a bit depressed. <laughs> so, and actually, you know, we were at the stage in London where we, our kids were getting a bit bigger, and so we were delighted to actually move out and have a bit more space and so actually, but quite it's, a bit of space for the children. Lots of space. I'm <laughs> very, very lucky, and it's a really, it's a wonderful place to grow up. And you know, actually, since we've moved London, we, you know, we haven't looked back. So, what do you sell in the shop? So, in the shop, we sell um, as much of our own property produce as possible. So, I'd say our butcher's counter, all of the, or as much as possible, of the beef, pork, and lamb comes from our own farm. Uh, anything if, in busy times, if we have to supplement it, we buy Welsh. Um, we sell uh, free-range chicken or uh, herb-fed chicken sourced from, again, where possible, Wales, otherwise um, the UK, England. Um, and um, we sell all our rapeseed oil is pressed um, uh, and comes from the farm. So there's several different flavours of that. We have a large brood of Lohman brown hens. So we sell the eggs in the shop as well as wholesale to, uh, to, a, to a, um, a supplier called Noble Foods, but we, we're allowed to sell a small number in the shop, which we do. Uh, we produce honey for the shop, so that's really nice, I think. Our veg um, comes from a chap called... Um, his business is called Matt Fresh. He's based in Cardiff. So it's a real proper uh, deli-slash-artisan um, food store championing Welsh produce. <laughs> building you know as in because I know that sustainability is very important yeah absolutely so the building was designed um, with an architect called Sue Camby um, and 
she um, designed it, I think, very sensitively because it was it was designed in a kind of modern way, but also um, the aim was just to like, try and sort of make it fit into the landscape. And um, but it's got a very airy feel. Um, we've got you know, it's got this lovely it's got it's kind of big, spacious. It's light, um, and it's got the, um, the you know the big beams running through it. Actually, I think some of the inspiration was taken a bit from Gloucester Services because every time we pass Amazing. there, it's got a similar kind of <laughs> yeah. yeah spacious and wooden feel. What do you have outside? And then outside, we've got this really lovely, um, really lovely lawn area um, with a children's playground. So that's very attractive. Very for, important for mums. Yeah, yeah for, for for local mums and dads and, and families. Um, and then we have the restaurant, which is is a bit more all ages, to be honest. Depending, I on called the it a cafe. Sorry, it's a it restaurant. <laughs> Well, the food's so good. Doesn't okay, it feel yeah. like a cafe, doesn't okay, it? Do doesn't, it, doesn't, doesn't, doesn't do it justice. Yeah. But, um, but the shop offers... Um, our, we've got this amazing head chef. We're very lucky to have him called Matt. Um, and he's been with us since the very beginning. And we hope he'll be with us for, for a long time to come because really the quality of his food is, is, is brilliant. But we predominantly... It's a sort of whole, um, whole carcass model that we're operating. So... We're, we're, Sounds um, a bit frightening to get uh, a whole carcass on a plate. Uh, <laughs> absolutely not, no. But we do try and use the whole the whole animal wherever wherever possible. Uh, we don't want any animals to die in vain. So hopefully we 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 aim, we aim to push um, yeah the meat through the butchery counter and then also um, perhaps those cuts that are, you know aren't necessarily so popular. You know then our chef can use them and make something absolutely delicious with them with that you you know you might not otherwise cook at home. A lasagna cooked by Matt is not any lasagna. It's it's not the mince that I would use at home. It's kind of a you know it might be a slow slow cooked brisket and then it's sort of deliciously flaked off pieces into the you know in, into the sauce and it's more like a ragu almost. Also in the hospitality sector, which is also going to be quite tough. Yeah. Uh, so how are you coping, and how do you think things are going to be in the next? That's a really interesting question. I mean, it does feel like it's been wave after wave of, of challenge, really, over the last three years. Launching Forage in the middle of, in the middle of the pandemic, or, or right at the outset of the first lockdown, was just a, a really daunting thing. Um, but people are, are nimble, and, and, and the British population and British businesses are, are resilient and flexible and nimble, and so people have found ways around it. Everyone thought there was going to be a huge lurch to online shopping, and that perhaps. For, you know, uh, in physical retail, wouldn't wouldn't bounce back. But I think what's happened now, and and we were discussing this over our coffee earlier, Sean, is that people have recognised the importance of an experience when shopping, meeting up with people. Humans are social people, um, so I think the experience of going to a cafe, going to a shop, particularly when it's uh, designed in a lovely way and there's a great ambience, there's a narrative and a story behind the offering. I think that that, um, that, that will remain uh, a fundamental need of, of, uh, of the public, and I'm, I'm hoping it will. Because um, uh, we were mentioning earlier, you know, during a recession, apparently lipstick and laxatives are what sells. Yeah. Do you think you'll add that to your bill of fare? I don't think we'll start selling lipstick and <laughs> <Well> laxatives. We'll <laughs> <laughs> um, stick with the coffee. Although a strong coffee is, yeah, <laughs> does, does tick the latter box. But I think that people will continue to seek out moments of enjoyment and socialising uh, with their friends and enjoying a cup of coffee despite the bigger the bigger issues at play. So I'm, I'm hoping that things will, will prove resilient, certainly so in the too. shorter term. And you do have delicious coffee, which is Coal Town Coffee. Coal Town Coffee, fantastic yeah. company, based in Ammonford. 
What do you enjoy most about your job? Um, I think the fact that no day is the same. We're always we've always got sort of different different challenges. There's there's often some kind of funny or and not funny <laughs> sort of situations that you find yourself in. Um, like but that. actually, um, well, like. Um, like the, the weather, the Welsh weather is a real problem for our events, really? which are often outside, and you're often sort of praying that it's going to be Or, yeah, I mean, I, actually, I was I was asking, I was talking to some of the staff yesterday, and they said that they'd um, they'd tricked one member of staff to into asking um, one of the suppliers when they were putting in a big order for the food to also order some elbow grease, which kind of made me laugh because he fell for it and <laughs> added that to the order. Well, I'm a bit disappointed that you're not going to do Welsh lipstick and laxatives in the shop. I hope you'll change your mind, but thank you so much. Not at all. <laughs> um, you, you have certainly planted the seed. Um, if I can find a, a, a local laxative producer, then I, I'll certainly... Uh, I, might, I might not try their produce, though. Uh, but thank um, you for talking to me, Sharon. Oh, thank you very Sorry much. Sorry I didn't wrap it on too much. Not at all. Thank you. Thank you very much. Cheers. Coming up next, I'm going to be talking to John Savage about his award-winning raw milk cheese produced in Ceredigion, West Wales. But just before, here's some tasting. I'm here in Cardiffville College and I've got a group of tasting people and we're going to try some of the lovely Tavy cheese. I'd like you to try first of all, Jamie, the mature Tavy, OK? So have a, have a taste and tell me what you think. Are you a cheese lover? Mm, it is quite intense, this one, but very tasty. I think if you hadn't told me it was unpasteurised, I would have asked you if it was unpasteurised because it tastes more milky. Um, John says that because it's not pasteurised, there's more flavour. So do you think compared to a cheddar? I would agree it has more flavour, definitely. It's like the difference between drinking, uh, you know, store-bought milk and, you know, fresh milk. Bianca. Okay, Bianca. So, do you do you like the cheese? Yes. Uh, I I am like this. Sintium. So, I taste some kind of smoothness. Yes, flavorsome. It's nice, very tasty. Very good. from Glyn Hanod today. You're welcome. John. So tell me a little bit about the story behind TV Cheese. Well, you know, that's a long story, to be honest with you. It started in the Netherlands. Uh, in the 1970s, um, I was involved in environmental education. But uh, in 1970, we had the first uh, environmental um, conference in Stockholm in 1970. And uh, in the mid-1970s, I became involved in an agricultural commune, organic agricultural commune. I translated a few books there from English into Dutch. One of those books was The Complete Book of Self-Sufficiency by John Seymour. And with the the royalties and the money I earned from that translation, uh, I I had made enough money to put a deposit on a small farm in West Wales, which is Glen Hinnard Farm, where uh, where we uh, make cheese now and also organic spirits. So what brought you to Wales? So first of all, Glen Hinnard, beautiful word, it means remarkable valley. Same what... thing, have to go back to John Seymour. John Seymour actually had a farm in Pembrokeshire. When the book was published in the Netherlands, the Dutch edition, uh, 
the Dutch publisher invited John Seymour for the launch of the Dutch. So I met John Seymour in the Netherlands. Uh, he stayed with me at the Kleine Arde, the small earth project where I was at the time, for about a week. And he in turn invited me to his farm in Pembrokeshire. And that's how it all started. How did you start making the cheese? Uh, Rising Wales in 1981, started cheese making in 1982. So we started off with a, uh, a traditional Gouda recipe. Then uh, after that, we um, diversified into Carfilly recipe as well. Now we're doing a whole range of cheeses under the Cowstavy cheese brand. The flagship cheese is called Celtic Promise. Very stinky cheese, delicious. And, uh, yeah, that's a smelly cheese. It's one of the most highly awarded in Britain. And uh, we also do organic halloumi now. I saw, yeah. that for three or four years. Uh, that's very popular as well. And then we do a whole range of, um, we do a whole range of uh, herb cheeses. So we add herbs to the Gouda. So we have a seaweed cheese. Uh, that's quite popular as well. Uh, we do nettle cheese. So we add the herbs to the curd in the cheese vat. But it's all made with raw milk. And what, why cow's TV? Well, we, uh, the farm is between Slandisil uh, and Newcastle-Emlyn in Ceredigion, and uh, that's where the Tyvee Valley, uh, the Tyvee Valley, the River Tyvee, it's named after the River Tyvee, basically. Yeah, so Cow's Tyvee is Tyvee cheese, cheese. After the river, yeah. Okay, why raw milk? Why raw milk? What are the benefits of unpasteurized cheese? Right. Some people don't like eating it. Don't like eating it. Right, well... Convince me. I love it. We've, since 1982, we've been making raw milk cheese, but it's, uh, it's, uh, it's an, it really is an uphill struggle because there is a very vociferous lobby out there of environmental health officers who say, well, raw milk is dangerous. But if you really think about it, there's not one species of mammal on earth that feeds its young pasteurised milk. Right? Breast is best. <laughs> Right? If a calf, a kid, a lamb doesn't get its mother's first colostrum, right, it will not survive. So, provided the milk comes from a healthy cow and a healthy other, there's nothing more nutritious than raw milk. milk come from? It's a big part of production. Milk comes, it's local milk, comes from Gary and Sally and it's fantastic milk because Gary and Sally, they're organic but they also only milk once a day, which is absolutely unique. Some cows are milked three times a day, most cows are milked twice a day, right? But Sally and Gary's cows are only milked once a day. Happy cows, they're not pushed for, like, you know, milking machines, producing milk. The milk is of a really, really high quality. Very important for raw milk cheese, right? You can be the best cheese maker in the world, but if the milk is not up to standard, right, it won't make raw milk cheese. Now, what are the benefits of raw milk? First of all... Uh, the temperature of the milk in the body of the cow, cow's got about the same temperature as a human being, it's about 37.5 C. Now our recipe never goes higher than 37 C. So the nutritional value of the raw milk remains in the cheese. 
Once you start pasteurising milk, you take it up to 75-76C, milk contains lactic sugar. Now what happens to sugar when you heat treat it? Caramelises. That's how you make toffee. You burn the lactic sugar. So all cheese, and you can really taste it with pasteurised cheese, all pasteurised cheese that's been taken up to 76C, you've burnt the lactic sugar in the milk, which creates a caramel flavour. You can't get rid of it. There's another advantage of raw milk, of course. Everybody nowadays is on about carbon footprint, right? It takes three times, if you really think of it, it takes three times more energy to produce pasteurised cheese than raw milk cheese. So it's green, you know, as you say, raw milk, they're good benefits. What about organic. organic? How important is organic to you? Very important, very important. You know, I, I became involved with the organic movement in the 1970s, as I said. Uh, in the Netherlands at the time, one of the most uh, uh, highly populated countries uh, in, in, in the world, very highly populated. Um, I became involved in organic farming after the Club of Rome issued a report called Limits to Growth. They commissioned the MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, uh, to look into, let's say, the uh, industrial growth in the world. This is in the 70s, right? And they came up, the, the title of the report was Limits to Growth in the 70s, Gosh. right? Mm -hmm. That we couldn't just keep growing, growing, because we only have one planet. <laughs> yeah. On our tour, we try some of your flavoured uh, cheeses. The nettle one, as you mentioned, is always very popular, the one with seaweed. Um, who decides on the flavours? Who develops the kind of different cheeses? Is that you or...? Well, over the years now, I mean, we started in 1982, so we've been at it now for 40 years. So these flavours, they've, you know, we had some flavours that, you know, we used to do a mustard cheese. We used to do a leek cheese, but, you know, they didn't sell very well and then you, you can stop. I mean, the good thing about a small dairy, of course, we've got 1,500 litre cheese fat. 1,500 litres of cheese makes 150 kilos. 10 litres of cheese, uh, 10 litres of milk to make one kilogram of cheese. So 1,500 litre cheese fat makes 150 kilograms of cheese. So you can experiment. You know, like if you want to, like for, I mean, one of the flavour profiles at the moment that's popular the last five years is chilli. A lot, lot, lot more people using uh, chilli. And uh, so, you know, about two years ago we made a, uh, a chilli cheese. It's easy to do once you've got the herbs. So you're following food trends, as in chilli, you mentioned, I mean, halloumi. I would, I'm just wondering if 20 years ago people would have known what halloumi is, but yeah. So you, exactly. you look at food well, trends? You know, it's a family business, so it was my son Robert Jan, who's now, I mean, I'm semi-retired now. Robert Jan, he is basically the one that, uh, uh, that co coordinates uh, the, the, the dairy. And uh, he started uh, halloumi about, about four years ago. Initially, trialled at farmers' markets. But we make it twice a week. It's fresh. It's always fresh. Right? Trialled at farmers markets, even here uh, Cardiff Farmers Market on a Sunday was Riverside. We used to do that. And people came back all the time. Best halloumi we've ever tasted. So on my tours, I get a lot of people from France, from Italy, you know, big cheese-making countries, and they're always surprised by the quality of Welsh cheese. 
How would you describe the Welsh cheese scene now and how it was when you first started? When I arrived in Wales 40 years ago, I mean, yoghurt was regarded as, uh, <laughs> as something... Um, Weird. Exquisite. You know, oh, I was going to something uh, hippie-ish. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, yoghurt. And, but there are so many uh, artisan food producers now in Wales. It's just amazing. And we've put... I mean, with... the. the Wales has been put on the map. The raw milk cheese makers that are in Wales have really, we're always winning awards at the, uh, you know, various awards at the British Cheese Awards, sometimes the World Cheese Awards as well. And uh, um, there are not many, I mean, there's only about, I would say about 40 raw milk cheese makers in the UK. Now, if you compare that to France, 16,000 raw milk cheese makers in France, 40 in the UK. So that gives you an idea, <laughs> yes. right? We are an endangered species. <laughs> right, we're an endangered species. If you do not support us, we will die out. So what do you like about being a cheesemaker? What is the best part about your job and what's the worst part? As I said, cheese is a world heritage product. Cheese has been made for thousands of years all over the world. Right? If you can turn liquid milk into cheese, you can work anywhere in the world. It's magic. That's it for now. Many thanks for listening. Dioch and Vowel. If you'd like more information about Forage and Kaus Tevi, there'll be some links in the podcast notes. See you next time. This has been a Waffle Original audio production for Loving Welsh Food. Audio production by Alfie Arnold for Waffle. Original musical score by kind permission Peter Cronin. Copyright 2022, Loving Welsh Food and Waffle Audio.